Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. Okay, guys, you made it to the weekend. This is your Friday Roundup. This is a weekly gathering place where the best ideas of our community are collated and presented to you in a compelling story that moves us all closer to FI. And this week is the perfect example of that as we have about five or six different parallel life hack personal finance storylines that we're following and we have new information on all of those. So this is going to be an extremely dynamic, fast moving show and and we're super excited to present it to you today. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm excited for the show. There are definitely a ton of different items we want to talk about, so hopefully we can get it in in our customary hour or so and yeah, I think this is going to be a good one. So I'm excited. You know, I feel like the show is maturing to a degree. At the beginning we were kind of just flailing around trying to figure out what our process was going to be, but it's developed. Uh, we have a, we have a very vibrant, real community that's engaged and is providing feedback. And in many cases is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for us. The Phi community has the most intelligent community members really in the world. And the information that they have, somebody just needed to provide them a place to actually put it out in front of the public because it, it's that good. And so really what we're trying to do is get ourselves and our own limitations out of the way and just facilitate this awesome conversation that grows on itself and tells a compelling story. Yeah, and that really is going on in our new Facebook group that we've mentioned on the last two roundups. So for anybody that hasn't joined yet, please join us there. It's an incredibly vibrant community. There are really at this point dozens of new threads forming up every single day. I think that one that I had mentioned a week or so ago that Jonathan posted and had 80 comments overnight. Now it's up to, I think, 240. So, I mean, you see how involved people are. And the easiest way to get there is just go to choosefi.com forward slash Facebook. And yeah, just enter your email address and we'll send you out the link to the private group. And just to follow up on that, the idea behind that particular thread was what needs to be covered? We know what has been covered. What still needs to be covered for this story to be complete? And those 240 ideas, every single one of those is is worth talking about. And so that's five years of content right there. And, and I don't want anybody to think that, that we are not actively looking at every single one of those as a viable option. We absolutely are. And that is kind of a central repository for ideas for future shows. From there, we can take five or six at a time and then give them to our community. And together, we can start researching these ideas and figuring out how to tell a story with that. So that is an amazing resource that we're building over there that we will all be benefiting from over the years to come. And just a tangential thing that Jonathan mentioned was the fact that we are looking at all these Facebook comments and emails and such. And we are at the point where we're just getting bombarded with with emails and comments. And it is amazing. It's the most gratifying and just extraordinary thing that's happened to either one of us 
ever in our lives. But just please, if we don't respond to you personally, just know that we are reading every single thing out there. It's just such an overwhelming amount of data. And like Jonathan said, there are 240 distinct threads there or comments that we could do an entire show on. And we hope to do many, if not most of them. Actually, what's funny is my brother called me out last week. He's like, uh, when we had a frugal win of the week from the Facebook group, he's like, you mentioned the two people that talked about ways to save money on uh, freezing bananas and you didn't leave and you didn't mention mine. How could you do that to me? And, you know, he was obviously kidding around, but it was just, it, it made me realize that while it's wonderful that we are mentioning so many people, there are countless numbers that we just can't mention by name just due to sheer time limitations. So please, again, know that we are reading every single one and, and we appreciate it greatly. Scott, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for mentioning his actual name. Sorry, buddy. OK, so let's go ahead and take a second and talk about this past week's episode with Slowly Sipping Coffee. Uh, he has a their own very loyal, vibrant readership. And I think that the people that had been listening or reading his content, Mr. and Mrs. Slowly Sipping Coffee's content for the last several years, really enjoyed getting a chance to put a voice to the writing. And I know that because I spent some time on their blog just, just reading their content because I thoroughly enjoy it. And I could see that coming through from his community. And it was a, it was a wonderful interview. It was a very laid back interview. And it made sense to me their life choices. It seemed like a very replicable one. It seemed like there there were logical decisions that were being made. There was nothing radical going on there. Rather, it was a team, a power team, a power couple that their focus was not on consumption. Their focus was living on this middle-class lifestyle that was happy and provided their family with everything they could want, but their focus was purchasing their freedom. And then as a result of those decisions, they were able to claw back control. And when things got tough, when there was uncertainty in the job market, the flexibility, the freedom, and the peace that they had from the decisions, the, the foundation that they had laid for their family's lifestyle, that is something that that you don't fall into. That requires a plan. And, and I love that Miss SSC had a plan for her family. Yeah, so Mrs. SSC is just an absolute rock star. I mean, there's no, no other way to put it. The fact that, I mean, Jay, Jay's a funny guy, right? I mean, it took him six years to get on board with this. So, you know, the brilliant Mrs. SSC is working in the background with her perfect spreadsheets and saving money and doing all of these, the right things before they really even were aware of the true concept of FI, let's say. And she's just rock and rolling. She's trying to convince him, but but it just didn't work. And then he had that that light bulb moment where he actually figured it out. And I mean, now, obviously, look, he's the writer on this personal finance, financial independence blog. That's as, as uh, 180 as you can get. And, and it does remind me, in a sense, of a lot of similarities, I would say, between Joel and Alexis from Phi 180, you know, to some degree, there are similarities. So like, I like their money challenges where he said like their first thing was, let's try to cut our credit card bill by 10%. And if you're not used to doing any kind of challenge, maybe that sounds daunting, but they blew past that. And then they said, all right, let's do something real and make it 50%, right? And that's it's a totally different ballgame. It's, it's making a game out of personal finance. And again, making it something that you can do together with your spouse. And there's a lot of power in that. One thing he mentioned that stuck out to me was to quote him, he said, they were more conscious of the spending. And just that one little thing made all the difference in the world. So just putting some attention and intentionality behind their spending made 
really a significant difference to the point of getting rid of 50% of their credit card bill, which was just filled with fluff, right? With the Target. I, I didn't realize so many people, honestly, went into went into Target and just uh, spent so much money. But I guess, Jonathan, you've mentioned that. Joel and Alexis mentioned that. Jay mentioned it. So this must be a, a thing, clearly. But yeah, I mean, he was just said, you know, another quote is, we were just frittering away money on nothing. And yeah, that's that's really powerful. So just put some thought behind your spending. And almost by definition, it's going to make a huge difference. That word makes me want donuts. I don't know why. Which one? Frittering. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And yeah, I can personally vouch for just wanting to blow an hour inside of Target, or at least, you know, on behalf of my wife. But I could do it at Best Buy. I could do it at Dick's Sporting Goods. I could do it at Pick Another pick another Store. You can definitely see that. I think there's a difference when you are trapped in your lifestyle. You're working 40 to 60 hours a week. You are spending everything that comes in the door, which requires you to then work every single hour you can and maybe pick up extra shifts. You're trapped by your lifestyle. You do not have, you only have the segment, the small sliver of time that's available once you have then counted into that, the cooking you need to do, the laundry and your home maintenance, mow your lawn, that sort of thing. And so with that hour or two window that you actually have left, you may not feel that you can actually do something like go rent some canoes and go to the lake or go tubing down the river or take your family to go do this activity together. You may only have this one or two hour window. And I think there's this passive grazing mentality that says, you know what? We don't have time to do anything else. Let's just go to Target to hang out. The crazy and diabolical sneakiness of that decision is that inevitably, as that becomes a pattern, you end up getting sucked into increasing your lifestyle, purchasing the new throw pillows, purchasing the area rug, which then, as it becomes now a lifestyle choice, continues to trap you in that cycle, in that hamster wheel. And breaking that is critical. I have nothing against Target. I love Target. I love all of those stores. But you can see how when you have spent all of your time focusing on earning income so you can afford your lifestyle, not getting ahead, you don't have any free time built in, and then you just start grazing through life, you can start to make bad decisions. And you know, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, I hear you. And, and that kind of made me think of something else as far as grazing and also this intentionality. And it also comes down to how you spend your time in life. And lots of people don't really batch process. And Jonathan, we've been talking about this actually with how much time we spend on Choosefy and that it's easy. I mean, you and I could spend 24 hours a day on Choosefy very, very easily. You know, many of us, and I know I'm guilty of this, I'll stop by the computer for, oh, I'm just going to check my email for two minutes. And then it's 25 minutes later. And, or I'm going to hop on the Facebook group. Same deal. Let me just see what's up. It's an hour later. And Whereas if I sit down with intentionality and not that grazing mentality, I can say, all right, I'm going to spend two hours writing emails or I'm going to spend 90 minutes in the Facebook group and just respond to every single possible thing I can. That's just so much more efficient. And you don't feel like you're constantly being called back to. And, and this is not about choose of I, obviously, but this is you can use this in any aspect of your life and not for nothing. But when I go upstairs to quote unquote, check my email for three minutes, Laura and the girls know that I'm going to be gone for 20 minutes. And and that's just not good enough. So I find that that intentionality, not only with spending, but how you spend your time is really crucial in life. So I've been a, a victim of, of my own bad judgment with this. And, and it's something that I'm trying to work on and trying to get better on. And it really is making a huge difference. It's amazing how much you get done in that one little batch, right? The 90 minutes or an hour, whatever it may be. You just feel so free mentally because you're like, wow, I 
cannot believe that I could have conceivably done that much in that hour. And then you don't have to think about it again. It's it's wonderful. That conversation really needs to be fleshed out because it affects us almost in every aspect. So first of all, there's the process, just looking at that from while you're at work. For those of you that really have to focus on certain tasks and knock those tasks out, that that's probably a great tip there. But what I'm thinking of is maybe more specifically, when you're at work, you're kind of already being forced to do that, at least in my job as a pharmacist. I am absolutely focused on this singular task for eight to 10 hours, eight to 12 hours. But then now, as potentially I'm transitioning to this five mentality, I find myself dictating my own schedule to a larger, larger degree. And I don't have this construct that's already built in where I need to be at 110% efficiency for eight to 12 hours at a time. And now I am dictating my own schedule. I'm making those priorities. And frankly, there is a huge learning curve there that Brad had to figure out over the last several years and is still working on. And I am having to figure out, but we could even put this onto our community as well. As you are transitioning to buying your freedom back, buying your time back, buying your life back, and you start to open this up, what are you doing with that free time? Uh, How are you best using that to actually do what the ultimate goal was, which is to develop these relationships, pursue your passions? What's the most efficient way to segment that out and really enjoy the process so that one passion doesn't seep into every other aspect of your life and slowly erode those things that you were initially working to preserve? Yeah, that's really powerful. So that is my challenge currently. Brad's really tasked me with this, knowing that it is going to be critical for me as I pursue my passion. It's something that you guys know how excited I get about Choose FI as I'm pursuing this as my passion, that it doesn't erode my family life because I am putting every waking second into this. And that's that's a real challenge. It's it's a challenge that I live for. I enjoy it. Uh, but Brad's really challenging me to go ahead and focus on this concept of batch processing and make sure that the time that I'm carving out for my family is my family time. And the time that I'm focusing on Choose FI, I'm giving that almost the same intensity that I would if I were quote unquote on the clock at work. You've got to figure out a way to be in the moment. Whatever that is, be there. Don't be 20% everywhere. And passions can easily get diluted into other things. So anyways, that's kind of an aside. I think there's value there to explore that. And I think if you can master that concept, uh, I'm not saying this as someone who's mastered it. I'm working on this. I know my wife is waiting for me to be able to grab this concept because she knows that once I can get this part figured out, it's going to provide value for our family. So uh, yeah, thanks for opening that up, Brad. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And you certainly said something be in the moment and don't have your attention divided. I think that's a lot of people have gotten confused with the concept of multitasking, that that's actually a real thing. And it's not in any way, shape or form. The science is clearly showing that our brains are not capable of doing that. There's a mental switching cost between tasks. And if you've ever sat with someone and tried to have a conversation with them while they look down at their phone, you know how incredibly frustrating and annoying that is. I've gotten to the point in my life where I literally stop talking. If I'm speaking to someone and they are obviously interested in something else, I just stop mid, mid-sentence, mid-word and just let them finish because it's just not worth it. So being in the moment is very important. And I am not perfect at this by any means. So, I mean, Laura could tell you, I, you know, she'll be, she'll come in and I'll be looking at my phone sometimes. So this is not me saying I'm perfect by any means, but, but it's something you really need to get better at in life. And the beauty of Phi is that this is a life pursuit. It's not merely about money. It's about getting better in every aspect and every facet of your life. And that is why I spend so much time on this podcast talking about life hacks and happiness and some of the research I've been doing into this because 
because this is the important stuff. This is what leads you to a better life. Because I think a lot of us, I know in conversations that we've had on the podcast and I've had personally with Brandon, the mad scientist and Carl from 1500 days, it's, it's finding what you want to do when you're post fi and what your life looks like. And I think if we're all thinking about this stuff and trying to come up with these life hacks to make our life better over the years leading up to it, it's going to lead to a much happier existence in fi. So one of the phrases that got dropped uh, this past week was the Mount Rushmore of fire. And I love that. We can't take credit for that. That actually came from one of our, our super users, Isaac, who constantly gives us really great ideas and feedback that allow us to really flesh them out on the show. But absolutely, Miss SSC is quickly earning her place and earning her reputation with the spreadsheet magic. And we had a comment from Stacy who basically said, Miss SSC is the Wonder Woman of the spreadsheet, which is hilarious and well-timed with the movie that just came out, which I really want to see. I think it's supposed to be really good. Haven't actually checked it out yet. But I love that in the FI community, the people that have figured something out and not just figured it out, but been willing to put their ideas out there for the rest of us to benefit from, those are our superheroes, right, Brad? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's... That's that's what's cool about this is it's taking regular people, right? These bloggers who are, quote unquote, on the Mount Rushmore, they're just regular people. And you'll see that if you ever come to a Camp Mustache or come to any event, a Chautauqua or anything like that. But they are superheroes in this world because we all read their blogs. We're interested in what they're doing and we're all in it together. That, again, is a huge benefit of this. We realize we're not islands unto ourselves. We are part of a community. And yeah, I think this is a, a fun little conversation about the the Mount Rushmore that that I know Jonathan wanted to have. All right, so let's let's say there's five positions and really it can be anything. We can have a Mount Rushmore with 10 heads on it. That's fine. But for right now, let's say there's five spots. Who Who's on this Mount Rushmore currently as it is? We know Miss SSC is nipping at the heels, but who's <laughs> currently on this Mount Rushmore right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to leave anybody out. So that's that's why this is a, maybe that's my own psychological uh, we need issues, some We but, need some controversy. Yeah, well, Mr. Money Mustache, obviously there's no controversy there, right? Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I put him on that one. Would you put J.D. Roth on there as, I, as kind I, of the... I would. I would put yeah. him on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who, for many of us, he's the guy who started this. I mean, Get Rich Slowly was the blog I was reading 10 years ago before I had any idea what a blog was. It was just this guy, J.D., who was writing about his life. And, and that made a difference to me personally. Yeah, I think he was the one that created the format that we're all benefiting from now. The idea of creating a community around this particular topic, around this unconventional way of looking at personal finance, looking at personal finance as a story that you can relate to and that you can grow along with. I think he was the first one to really do that. And yeah, absolutely. He has earned a permanent place. No matter what project he's working on now, he has earned a permanent place on that Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah, agreed. I would say Jim Collins would be on my Mount Rushmore. I know the the stock series changed my life forever so that that gets a place in my eyes I'm, i would i would vouch for that 100 percent. that is a pinnacle article series uh the rest of his content's great but just that one article series alone has transformed so many lives and the way that so many people look at investing it simplified it and took it from something that was a little was confusing. There was a lot of mixed messaging. Frankly, it was very emotional and allowed you to separate that from it and actually turn it into a simple process that is accessible for everyone. And then because of that, it gave you a way to then explain it to other people. So for sure, I, I have no problem. There's no controversy in my mind about those first three positions. This is where it gets tricky, though. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was the low hanging fruit, right? Yeah, for <laughs> <Right> sure. <from> there. <laughs> um, so I have never read. Or 
early retirement extreme, so I, I wouldn't go so far as, as to put him on there, though I suspect some people would. I probably would put Brandon from the Mad Scientist on, on there, just his Roth IRA conversion ladder, as well as just many of the tax optimization hacks and other items, spreadsheets, and I know his guinea pig scenario is really interesting. He's got a lot going on. I think a lot of people consider him right up there with, with Mr. Money Mustache. That's good. Yeah, no, I think there's room there. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to, the one thing I'm going to say here is that this is specifically for the FI community. You know, I think if you're talking about personal finance and who has affected millions of people inside the United States, you could you could make a case for Dave Ramsey. He is not, I would not say he is in any way, shape, and form in the FI community. So he is not going to be included. In my opinion, he's not on this list, just, just for those reasons alone, which means we still have one spot open. And I haven't really contributed anything here, but frankly, I'm interested, Brad, in your thought. That way I can either agree with that or maybe go down a different rabbit hole. Who would you have for that fifth spot? All right, yeah. I think I'm going to take a coward's uh, coward's way out here and and not give an answer. I, I think we should leave that fifth spot open. Okay. I think that might that might be. I I do want to hear yours, Jonathan, and and I suspect you're less cowardly than I. But uh, you know, this might be something for the Facebook group or for you know, shoot us an email. Who do you think is on? You out there in the community, who who is on this Mount Rushmore of Fi? But Jonathan, if you want to have some guts and go for it, Oh, man, I don't know if I have the guts to fill this one out. I mean, I'm looking at my list right now, and and on my top 20 list that I that I had put together of like people that have had had an impact on me, there are certainly some contenders. Like White Coat Investor was on there, Go Curry Cracker was on that list. I had Millionaire Educator uh, really had an impact on me. Uh, the Bigger Pockets Forum had an impact on me, although they're definitely not in the FI community. Uh, Early Retirement Extreme had an impact. Wealthy Accountant had an impact. Uh, but I could, and you know, budgets are sexy, fantastic. Uh, the Bogleheads Forums, fantastic. Those are all people that are on my kind of short list in my mind, but I can't assign them that fifth position. I think it's up for grabs. Yeah, maybe you mentioned Bogleheads. What about Bogle himself, right? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> goodness, that could be it. That's that's good. That's really good. It's a, it's a crowdsourced show. Uh, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, who needs that fifth spot? The last thing that I really wanted to hit on with this episode was the power of knowing that you no longer need your income. And so I'm thinking of that scenario with Miss SSC where she was in the position of potentially getting fired and they had created this so much margin in their life that even if that were to happen, they were going to be okay. Being fired in that scenario was essentially an excuse for them to then go pursue their passions. And I love that he suggested, you know, maybe you want to go work in an animal shelter. And I think that that's the conversation. You know, I, I know there was an article that was posted recently over at investmentmotes.com and it was by uh, Keith and he's actually, he writes out of, I believe it's Singapore and he's been following our work for a while and he wrote an article on basically the hypocrisy in the FI community of, of, of hating work and talking about this idea that the work provides so much for you. Shouldn't you, in the, it seems like in the FI community, we're always ragging on work and shouldn't you just focus on really loving your job, enjoying your job? And I think that's probably well-deserved criticism. I think in many cases, the FI community does focus on just leaving it just for leaving its sake. All work is bad. There's probably an overtone there that we just can't avoid just because we get so excited about our passions. And, and that's because in many cases, our passions do not involve our job. And certainly if you can get to a place where you love your job, you're going to win in that scenario. And I know many people in our community are people that said, I hit five, five, six, seven, ten 10 years ago, and I'm very happy. I'm not going to leave my job now. I'm in my peak earning years. There's really no point for me to leave right now. I tap dance my way to work every day in the morning. I love that. This is not the, you need to quit your job show. And here's all the reasons why, uh, this is a show about pursuing your freedom, but 
I loved what Jay said. What if you are in a situation where it's a grind, where going in every single day is a chore, and as you get closer to Phi, it becomes more of a drag. It becomes more of a grind. How freeing is it that in the context of Phi, once you no longer need your income, you can now pursue work for the purity of loving what you do, not based on the monetary compensation component. So if your passion is taking care of animals in an animal shelter, whatever that looks like, if you can make that choice without the very real financial pressures of needing to keep the lights on and feed your family. That's the framework that I want to develop and that I want to see people be able to choose. Yeah, and their concept of of FFLC, right? Fully funded lifestyle change. That is a different terminology for what we talk about here at Choose of High and what Jonathan just went over. And and I think I think a lot of people early retirement or retirement in general is a very loaded concept for people. And they have a hard time getting past just the word retirement and all the baggage that comes along with that word. So if you can reframe it as fully funded lifestyle change, well, that's a very positive outlook, right? There's no negativity associated with that. FFLC is just you can do with your life what you want. And there is huge power in that. So this is not, as as Jay said, not retirement for the sake of quitting work. It's taking power back to do what you want with your life. So it's a minor distinction, but words matter in life. And those words and that concept of FFLC is is powerful. Last thing, what is your risk tolerance? That was really the emphasis of the last episode. And I think it's a great way to end this little segment. And the final question there was, how much longer are you willing to do something that you're not enjoying or something that you hate to guarantee an outcome as opposed to accepting a 10% risk of failure and coming up with a strategy to implement if it fails? That was essentially what Miss SSC set up for them. She she set up a way that basically he had the option. He could work for another two to four years and then get a 99.999% rate of success, or he could be willing to accept an 80 or a 90% rate of success, and they could essentially retire within the next several months or now, and they have a 90% chance of success. But if they were to have a setback or they were to come close to failing or something were to not go the way that they foresaw in their spreadsheets, she had these game plans, these five or six scenarios laid out in the spreadsheet that it would allow them to compensate for that, like selling the home or picking up a part-time job or making an adjustment in location. That is a creative way of looking at a problem. And instead of just saying, oh, well, Seafire Sim says I'm at an 88% and I really want to be at a 95% before I pull the trigger. You don't you don't have to look at this from this one-dimensional perspective. We've taken all this time to flesh out 5, 10, 15, 20 different ways that you can optimize your life. And, and Miss SSC took that and turned it into a game plan. And I think that is what you have have to do. Don't just be one dimensional with this number. Be willing to be flexible, be creative and use the skills that you have learned over the past year to figure out all the different ways that other people have handled that same decision. Yeah. And just really quickly, I'm glad you brought up the Sea Fire Sim and we'll link to that in the show notes, certainly. So that's Sea Fire Sim, S-I-M.com. And I know my wife, Laura, was actually slightly confused with the talk of the 80%, the 95%, just because she's never heard of this website before and and really didn't know what we were talking about on the on the actual podcast. So I suspect there are other people out there as well that that feel the same way. So I would definitely recommend checking out that website. And it it essentially allows you to put in your information, your retirement year, the amount of time you expect the money to last for, hope for it to last for, your current portfolio, your spending, all sorts of things. And it runs 
these scenarios based on historical data and it runs this simulation and gives you a percentage likelihood of your money lasting for X number of years. And we can never be certain in life, but but there's, like Jonathan said, once you get to 90%, once you get to 94%, I mean, that's incredibly likely that it's gonna happen. So to go and spend an, an extra year or two of your life working to go from 94% to 96% in the Seafire Sim seems very silly to me, especially because realistically, it's not like you're never gonna earn another dollar in life. I mean, in all likelihood, many of us have passions and some of those passions bring in money. Many of us will have social security down the road as, as Big Earn mentioned on Paul's case study. There are ways that you're going to make money in the future and to just say, all right, I'm retired again with the negative connotations of retirement is very short-sighted. So when you get some degree of certainty over, let's say 90%, or it seemed like that the SSCs would even consider lower than that. Well, it doesn't need to be 99.9 to be fairly likely of, of there being huge success. And this is your life. A year or two of it going to a job that you dislike, if that is your life, if that is your scenario. Well, that probably isn't worth it to go to get to that 99% or 98, whatever the, your number is. So anyway, long story short, I would check out that site. It, it's kind of cool just to plug your numbers in and, and check it out. Okay, so it's a crowdsource show, guys. So first, uh, Louise sent me this message the other day and said, fire in the news. And I know a couple of you linked to that this morning. And CNN is now featuring people that have actually pulled the trigger on FI or are planning on pulling the trigger on FI. It is absolutely going mainstream. This tidal wave is, is catching on. The fire is spreading. And so we're going to link to that in the show notes. This particular article featured a couple, Claudia and Garrett, who have a blog over at Two Cup House, which is a 536 square foot tiny home uh, in Pennsylvania. And essentially by focusing on slashing their expenses and, and capitalizing on their income, they were able to go from in debt to five within five years, I believe. So we'll we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes. But it looks like CNN Money is now actively collecting stories from people that have made this choice. So very, very cool stuff. And yet another illustration of how this idea is captivating the minds of the mainstream world. So Louise, thanks for sharing that with us. And if you have another example of FI in the news, send it to us. We'd love to feature it in this particular segment of the show. All right. So in our Facebook group, we had a really cool post by Andrew who said, who else can hear Jonathan smile right before he hits the hot seat intro? Love that you guys are even more motivated about the podcast than day one. And yeah, this is this was a cool one. And, and Chad responded with, okay, who else has the life goal of sitting in the hot seat? Is it just me? And yeah, this brought a, a huge smile to our faces. So I wanted to say publicly to Chad, Chad, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, we want to make that quote life goal a reality. So send us a voicemail. You know the, you know the questions on the hot seat. Go to chooseifi.com, send us a, a voicemail with your answers. We'll splice in our questions, Jonathan's intro, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll put it on a, an upcoming Friday roundup. So yeah, I mean, guys, we we love this Facebook group and it is really the center of our community now. So uh, this kind of stuff is is just amazing. And what's really fun about this is Brad and I are kind of developing this different tagline because although Choose FI is still all about experiments and financial independence, we think it's gone past that point now. So I think we're going to settle on Choose FI, the ultimate life hack, which it really is. But right now in this moment, I'm thinking Choose FI, making bucket list possible in your 30s and 40s. What do you think, Brad? 
Brad. <laughs> a little long-winded, I think, but uh, <laughs> won't fit on the but T-shirt. I, I, but <laughs> yeah, I like the sentiment nonetheless. So Chad also sent us another message, which we wanted to plug him really twice today. And the reason for that is it, it ties in so well. And, and he said, "I got a lead or two for some potential clients and found a financial literacy class that is backed up. So I may contact the class coordinator to offer services as a teacher." So this is someone that is dyed in the wool fi, right, and has been soaking up all these ideas and potentially is now going to be working with a financial literacy teacher. Can you imagine the power of spreading this concept to people that are in a class because they're desperate to learn what they don't know, but they don't know where to start? Yeah, that's incredible. As this community is growing, we're seeing more and more people mentioning this to to family members, to friends, to colleagues, or to students, right? We've had multiple teachers say they have decided to start a new curriculum in their class on financial literacy and, and even financial independence, you know, to, to some degree. So this is very powerful. And I know one of the things we say here pretty often about how you can support the podcast is to leave us an iTunes review. And, and I certainly believe that. And that just as far as getting us more well-known in iTunes and getting more people to listen. But realistically, the best way that you can support the FI community is to tell someone about this. Find someone in your life who could benefit from it. And it might be an uncomfortable conversation or it might not. It might be a fantastic one. I know I've, since I've had this podcast, I've mentioned this to multiple people in my life, as I've mentioned on, on prior episodes, and people are making changes in their lives. And these are legitimate things. I mean, I know people who had never heard of this concept before and are now on a five path in the next five to seven years. And those are friends of mine that are actually taking action because I had the guts to have that conversation. So this is not about you supporting Choose FI per se, though, you know, obviously you could send them to certain episodes. Our episode 21, The Pillars of FI is a great place to start. But it's about supporting the financial independence community and growing it and bringing this concept to people in your life who can benefit from it. So yeah, I am on board in every way, shape or form. So with spreading this message and yeah, this is, this is a wonderful one that Chad mentioned. The other half of this is just the impact of teachers and people's lives. So a millionaire educator was one of our first guests. He's one that we're super excited that he actually has offered to also come on and be a part of our team and be an in-house expert, really helping us handle case studies dealing to some degree with pensions, but also mostly with the 457. He has a lot of experience dealing with the situations that teachers face and those scenarios. He's also really good at geo arbitrage, especially inside the United States. So he's going to be an in-house expert helping us really navigate some of these lanes that are maybe outside of Brad and my comfort zone. And he also is in a unique position to help us with second generation fire as a teacher, but also as a parent that is trying to pass this stuff along to his kids. And perfectly timed as we were about to do this, we actually got a message from one of Millionaire Educator's former students. I think he's an 18 year old uh, out of Georgia, and he's interested in pursuing this path for him and his buddy. Can you imagine the power of soaking up this idea in your teens, what that means for you? Even if you are in your teens, you're a first generation fire baby. That is incredible. The, the timeline that you have now that you have these ideas locked up before you lose that decade of your 20s, you're just going to crush this game. So Brad, tell us a little bit more about that message you got from Austin. Yeah, this was great. Very excited to see this. So Austin sent in a message saying, hey guys, I love the podcast. I've been listening for a while now. I'm currently only 18 years old. And thankfully, I was lucky enough to have the millionaire educator as my teacher a few years ago. And he was, of course, the one who got me interested 
in financial independence. And I wrote back to him saying how excited I was. And he said him and his buddy Landon both just graduated from high school and they're moving into an apartment together and they're choosing to go to a technical college in the fall to avoid racking up serious student loan debt. So, I mean, those are multiple things we've talked about, right? Huge way to save on housing costs, though it's not the the house hacking that we've heard of from Chad Carson. Still, splitting an apartment is sure as heck better than going out on your own and thinking you're some big adult now. It's actually making that conscious decision. And yeah, they're going to a technical college. They're not going to have significant student loans. And they're going to come out presumably with with skills to start up with a job. And geez, I mean, to be 18 years old and already know about financial independence and having learned this directly from the millionaire educator, it doesn't get better than that. I will be following their story with interest, and I'll also be trying to develop, based on the input that we get back from them and from people that have already made those first few decisions, one of the frameworks we need to develop is that transitional period of time, that decade in between 20 and 30. And actually, Fiery Millennial would be a perfect guest to come on to explore that concept because she actually made a lot of those choices already and is just crushing it. I mean, she did the college hacking. She did the house hacking. She's got the the job in the Midwest, so she's got the geo-arbitrage thing going on. And just at every single level. She's crushing this game. So Fiery Millennials will link to her blog in the show notes. That is a guest that we plan on having on. And I think she can help us flesh out what this path to FI looks like while you're in your 20s and you're on this essentially right now, the single path to FI, right, Brad? Yeah, I love that. Gwen's really cool and she'll be a top tier guest for sure. But now I want to go ahead and pivot into my second generation FIRE uh, moment here. And today, this is also going to be a millionaire educator focus. He is working with his son to help instill these values and these concepts into his son's mind at this at this younger age. And he shared with us his thoughts on how to go about doing this. So hang on just a second, Brad. We'll get this teed up. Hello, Brad and Jonathan. This is Ed Mills of The Millionaire Educator. I have three quick tips for second generation fire. These are three things that I've done recently. My son has a mutual fund account at Vanguard and I tried a number of things to get him turned on to that. I would match his birthday money. If he got 10 bucks, I'd put that in his account. And nothing really seemed to get his juices going on that. So I went in and I did this. I changed his capital gains and dividends and made them, they're not reinvested automatically into the fund. I have them sent to his youth savings account at USAA. And then twice a year, he and I sit down at the computer and we pull up his account and we see what he earned from his mutual fund. Last June, he got $45. And this past December, he earned $55. Well, $100 is not a lot, but to an 11-year-old kid, it's, it's a ton of money. And then after we were done checking, we, I said, okay, we're going to buy some more mutual funds with this. So I just log into the Vanguard account and I purchase them since I have his mutual fund account and his savings account linked. It's very easy to do. And of course, I throw some more money on top of it to, to round it up. And he seemed a little more interested in mutual funds and investing by showing him that he actually gets some dividends and capital gains. What he earns feels more real that way. Another thing I did this past year is I opened up a personal capital account just for him. And so he can see all his accounts, his college money, his mutual fund, his bank accounts. And I got to tell you, he's got a lot more money in 11 than I had. And that seemed to get him interested a little more. And the most recent thing I've done is I opened up a youth checking account for him at USAA this past spring. And his debit card came last week and he was very interested in getting that debit card. So what we did last week is we went to a local supermarket and I taught him how to use an ATM 
And he learned how to do that, put it in his pen and things that we all take for granted. It was a big deal to him. He loved it. And then we went and got a pack of gum and went through the checkout. And he broke out his debit card again. And he uh, not only paid for his gum, but he also got $10 out from his bank account. And he liked that. And uh, he's really thrilled to have his own debit card. So those are three things I've done that seem to have stimulated a little bit of interest. I would say of those three, the most powerful one thus far has been the capital gains and dividends. Let him see that stream of income hitting his savings account. It felt real. I have to admit he did want to take it out and go spend it, but that's not part of the deal. All right, guys, thanks a lot. I hope this helps someone out there. So there are hundreds of thousands of parents in the FI community that are trying to figure out how to communicate this message to their kids in a way that is compelling and addictive and doesn't take Miss SSC beating them over the head with a stick for months at a time, years at a time in order to get it through. And if you can turn this into a game, it works for me. If we can somehow turn this into a game for our kids that they feel like they're winning as well and they get it, it makes sense. That's going to be a different approach, right? You're going to need to pull on a different set of levers. And Millionaire Educator is right there with us. He's figured it out for himself. He's figured it out for his family. But how do you ensure that it translates to the next generation? That's the conversation that we're going to continue to have. And there's some great tips there on how to pass that along to your kids. I, I love what he's doing. Yeah, I'm always looking to test new things that'll that'll work. And and as as he mentioned, everything is not going to work on every single kid. So you have to really figure out what resonates with your children. So as Jonathan mentioned, there are many of us out here with different ideas, different hacks. We'd love to hear them. So post them in the Facebook group. What are you doing to educate your children financially and make that second generation fire a reality? And to get on our Facebook group, just go to chooseify.com slash Facebook. There's a simple opt-in form, and then we will send you the invite to get on our Facebook group where you can continue this conversation week round. So there's a conversation that's long overdue, and, and that's talking about the mortgage deduction. That's a big focus in the personal finance community in general. I would say that although maybe it's slightly less of a focus in the FI community where there is, I would say across the board, generally a larger interest in renting. Brad and I both own homes, so that's not by any means the rule, but we do place less of an emphasis on homeownership in the FI community for sure. But we still need to explore why the mortgage deduction is like getting 25% off pants. You still have to pay the other 75%. And there is a need to explore that further. So Juan, who has a blog over at financeclever.com, uh, send us a voicemail to really help us explore why we're, you're not getting as much benefit from the mortgage deduction as you think you are. Hey guys, this is Juan from financeclever.com. Let me start by saying that I love your podcast. I think you guys are doing a wonderful job. And I've been in the FI community for about two years and I've gone through a lot of resources, blogs, podcasts. And, and let me tell you, Choose FI is really one of the best. So congratulations and, and keep it up. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to talk about today was the tax benefits of home ownership. You guys mentioned that briefly on the last Friday Roundup. And you did a wonderful job at driving the concept that nobody gets rich making 25 cents by spending $1, meaning that in order to get a tax deduction, you first have to spend a bunch of money on mortgage interest and property taxes. I think you guys hit on that wonderfully. I would also like to add 
that you get the standard deduction anyway, which for a married couple in 2016 is $12,600. So in order for the tax deduction to truly have any benefit, you have to have paid more than $12,600 in property taxes and mortgage interest, which is a lot of money. And I feel most of us in the FI community optimize our housing costs. And I don't feel like a lot of us are paying more than, than that amount and certainly not getting any, any tax benefits from it. I'm, I'm certainly not paying more than, than the standard deduction in property taxes and mortgage interest. So just something I wanted to put out there. Maybe you guys can flush it out uh, a little more eloquently than I can. Anyway, guys, um, thanks again for all you do and have a great weekend. Yeah, I love this voicemail from Juan. And he actually sent us a link to an article that he wrote on financeclever.com. And we'll have that in the show notes. It's entitled The Tax Benefits of Homeownership, Myth or Reality. And it's funny that he picked up on on my comment about this in last week's roundup because I actually wanted to go more in depth on it because it's something that it's another one of those little things that kind of uh, sticks with me that I've, I've always thought is really odd. But this is like kind of a, a high level concept that people don't necessarily understand. So not only is this an instance where if you're paying a dollar in mortgage interest, you're getting, as Jonathan said, the 25% off the pants. In most cases, you're getting a tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction of actual value from your mortgage deduction, even when considering your marginal rate, whatever it is, 15% for most of us or 25% or up if you make a significant amount of money. And the reason why is what Juan alluded to is that there is this standard deduction that we get on our tax returns. And as he said, for 2016, I'm, I'm going off of his data, but it's $12,600. So in order to actually get any benefit whatsoever from your mortgage interest, you have to itemize your deductions on your tax return on Schedule A. And now, again, for them to have any benefit whatsoever, the itemized deductions need to be higher than that 12,600 standard deduction, okay? So let's say all of your itemized deductions together, your state and local taxes, your mortgage interest, gifts to charity, all these kind of things, you add them all up and they're, let's say $15,600. So that will go down instead of the standard deduction. So in actual reality, you're not getting 100% of the value for that, that mortgage deduction and those other itemized deductions. So stick with me here, and I hope this makes sense, because you would have gotten 12,600 anyway. And now for all of those itemized deductions, your state and local tax, your mortgage interest, your charity, et cetera, et cetera, you're getting a 15,600 deduction in my hypothetical. So you're really, the change, the increase is only $3,000. And now the value of that is your marginal tax rate. So let's say it's 25%. So it's $750 is the additional deduction that you would have received because you had all of those itemized deductions. And again, because that's the difference between your standard deduction, which you get automatically just for breathing, and your itemized deductions, which are all these things that you add together. So in this case, these people have almost $16,000 worth of itemized deductions. Probably the vast majority of them come from home mortgage interest. And the actual benefit to them are an additional is an additional $750. So that is a tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction of the 15600 as as I've shown here, and that's 4.8% of, of those standard, of those itemized deductions is, 
is the actual additional benefit that you earn. So, uh, you know, Jonathan's example of the 25% is way overblown. So, uh, Jonathan, did that make sense? I know that's something So you're that, saying I'm getting a 5% sale on pants. That's what you're telling yeah, me. You're getting a 5% sale on <laughs> pants. So, <laughs> that's garbage. I want to leave that on the rack. <laughs> yeah. So the only people that would get the full benefit of that is if they had just a ton of other itemized deductions. So people with a lot of state taxes, people with high incomes, really. So if your other itemized deductions are over the standard, the 12,600, and then you had mortgage interest on top of it, you could make the argument at least, though some math people would, would look at this differently, but at least you could make the argument that you're getting 100% of the benefit of that mortgage interest deduction, but still at your top marginal rate, right? So at most, it's going to be 25, 28%, 33% if you're making just a ton of money, you know? So, uh, so yeah, hopefully that makes sense to everybody. Okay, so for those of you that were holding on to your home for that singular reason, that is a, a great point. And if you want to flesh that out on paper, uh, we are going to link to Juan's article over at Finance Clever in the show notes. So definitely go check that out. If you want to get the show notes in your inbox each day, uh, definitely get on our email list. You can just go to choosefi.com slash subscribe, and that'll set you up to get on our email list. One kind of contrarian point that comes to mind, Brad, is what about for the people that want that are kind of in this income bracket where it could go either way, and you do want to optimize that? And I'm not talking about paying off your mortgage deduction versus not paying it off. But let's say you really want to game this thing out. I feel like it's worth, we, we mentioned a hack several months ago that I think it's worth bringing back out in this conversation because it's one that no one talks about and, and you can do it. And I think you even checked check with Laura and she vouched that it is possible to basically alternate one year to do the itemized deductions and basically double down on everything. And then the following year, just to do the standard deduction, which gives you the best of both worlds. Have you, do you have any further thoughts on that after that idea has kind of simmered around for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have have anything extraordinary to add to it other than that I think it's an interesting strategy. I think realistically you're not going to be able to do this with much more than gifts to charity. I think I think that's the low-hanging fruit. And yeah, Jonathan, I know that can benefit you because you do give a, a lot to charity, you know, potentially to your church and and places like that and and are thinking about donor advised funds and and all this kind of stuff. So that's something that timing would actually make a difference. So if you could give that gift for the next calendar year but just make it a couple days early, right? Just make it on December 28th. That doesn't make any difference to you because cash flow at that point, when you're, when you're at FI or you're pursuing FI, you can make decisions based on the economic value of it and the intelligence of the decision, as opposed to that deprivation mindset of just, do I have the cash right now? So for someone like you, you can make those big gifts to charity all in one year, make two years worth in one year and then really reap the benefits of this. So I think that's, that's a, a pretty cool strategy for sure. I love that. I love that at every level. It appeals to me from top to bottom. I'm just exploring how I'm going to be doing this going forward, but that's the game plan I'm going to use. And I love the fact that the mortgage deduction, you know, it's just a 5% sale on pants. So I'm totally willing to leave it there. Definitely go check out Juan's article. It is really good. All right. So going through the feedback from the audience, we got an email from Grumpus Maximus. And now I, I had to read this just by sheer virtue of the name, but it is a it is a very helpful piece of feedback. But yeah, Grumpus Maximus, come on, you can't. You, can't you, not you need to that. go reserve that Twitter handle right now if you haven't <laughs> already. Like that needs to be locked down. 
<laughs> nice. So he said, I am a newish listener and love the show. Your Friday roundups are the best. I heard your comments this week, which was last week's episode, and the need for a good retirement calculator and thought I would point you in the direction of Darrow Kirkpatrick's website, CanIRetireYet.com. He made an analysis of retirement calculators, one of the cornerstones of his blog and book called Can I Retire Yet? Darrow's book and J.L. Collins's The Simple Path to Wealth are my two textbooks for plotting my own course to financial independence. I think you guys should take a look at what Darrow has done in regards to calculators and making good calculations for early retirement. It will help you and your listeners. Hope this helps. Grumpus Maximus. Yeah, I, I love that. Brad, did you get a chance to go check out those calculators yet? You know, I didn't, but we will link to it in the show notes and uh, I'll check it out along with the audience. Uh, and also, if you remember Money Metagame gave us that tip about the the escrow account and basically not using escrow to pay your homeowner's insurance. And if you could separate that out, how you could then capitalize on being able to pay your property taxes and your homeowner's insurance yourself. And there were different ways to manage that. Uh, we actually had a community member do that and we wanted to play their feedback now. Hey guys, this is Chris Miller and I just want to give a shout out to Noah for his voicemail last week. Thanks so much for sharing the mortgage escrow trick, Noah. And awesome timing too, because my mortgage company just raised my payment because my property taxes went up. And I had no idea you could separate the mighty P-I-T-I. So right after I finished listening to the podcast, I called my mortgage company and I found out I do qualify to remove escrow. So next, I checked to see if taxes and insurance could be paid with a credit card. Guess what? They can. Insurance is easy. However, there is a 2% convenience fee for taxes, but I found out and set up a 1.25% savings account and also set up a $300 bonus checking account. And that's going to take care of that 2% credit card convenience fee for a few years, I'm thinking. But my tax bill and insurance is going to add up to over $3,000 a year, which is my typical minimum spend requirement on a travel rewards credit card. In other words, I'll be getting the equivalent of a couple of round trip plane tickets out of this every year. I love it. Not including the travel rewards, that's easily a few hundred dollar savings in a year. So thanks again. And thanks, Brad and Jonathan, for sharing this tip on the podcast. You know, Facebook is great, but I don't think I'd have found this if I hadn't heard it on the podcast first. Keep up the great work, guys, and we love what you're doing. Yeah, Chris, that is just awesome. I can hear the excitement in your voice. It's fantastic. And that's the exact kind of thing that we get excited about here in the FI community, right, is diving into this stuff, finding life hacks, figuring it out. And and just the analysis that you put into it is awesome. So not only did you, I mean, you came out with hack after hack after hack, right? The online savings account, the $300 cash back, and then the credit card rewards points, which you hit absolutely perfectly. That is enough to hit a minimum spend on a huge travel rewards credit card and get a big bonus. And that could, as you said, easily get you a couple of round trip tickets. It could get you a probably a round trip ticket to Europe or South America or something like that. I mean, that is potentially worth thousands of dollars just by being smart. So Noah's comment was perfect. And I think a lot of you out there should take note of what Chris said and try to replicate this in your life because it's a big win on something that theoretically could have been pretty small, but it's going to amount to thousands of dollars saved for Chris. So, and yeah, just, just a note, as, as you all know, we love travel rewards here and the transformative power of being able to travel the world nearly for free. And we have a really great resource with our podcast episode nine. So that's just choosefi.com forward slash zero zero nine or our entire travel rewards section on our site. We have our top recommended credit cards. 
we have a bunch of articles. So yeah, that's really useful information, which you can get if you go to chooseify.com forward slash travel. All right, guys, are you are you getting the feel for why the Friday Roundup is important to listen to everyone? Now, obviously, you can skip around, but if you constantly want to know what you don't know so that you can do more research, that's the point of this. This is a place that instead of Brad and I constantly having to go out and find new ideas, they're coming to us, and then we can then share them with you, and then we can go learn more about these concepts and implement them ourselves. That's what this is. And so we played that one uh, last week, talking from Pastor Fi, an awesome moniker, by the way, talking about house hacking in college. And we have some feedback from Steve uh, wanting to fill in the blanks of another thing that you would want to consider if you decided to fill up a house with a bunch of college students. Hi, this is Steve from Arkansas. On the uh, 26-hour episode, the parent that rented a, or bought a condo for his student and son and had him be the property manager and rent out the other rooms. One thing to keep in mind if you do that, as the owner of that condo, you are legally responsible for any kind of liability accident that could occur there, which is not a big stretch thinking about college kids. Unsupervised, what could happen? You better have a big umbrella policy because anybody that gets hurt, drinks a little too much or anything else on that property, you would be on the hook for that. It's still a great idea and the insurance is there, but you really need to make sure you've got it. Great show. Appreciate taking time to listen to me. All right. Yeah. And just to add to that conversation about umbrella insurance policies and, and the importance of them, we had an email from Tiffany, who's a lawyer, and she said, one thing I did want to mention that has come up in several of the shows, including the most recent one about the true cost of car ownership. So we actually got this email about a month ago, relates to insurance. Although it seems to make sense to drop comprehensive coverage on older cars and just stick with collision insurance, it might actually make more sense to keep the comprehensive policy. This is because as FI approaches, it is increasingly important to protect your investments. And one important way to do that is through umbrella insurance policy. These policies provide extra liability coverage above the limits of homeowners, renters, and auto insurance. But a lot of umbrella insurance policies require comprehensive auto insurance as part of the policy. So yeah, this is a, a really solid comment from Tiffany. And, and she did give me some more information on umbrella policies. And, and she says they're quite, quite valuable. And I know personally, they are very inexpensive. You can generally get somewhere in the vicinity of like a million dollars worth of coverage for about 100 to $200 a year. I think I pay 150 currently. So it's minimal amounts of money for a significant amount of insurance to cover you in case something absolutely crazy happens. So yeah, uh, definitely something to consider for sure. That's great feedback. All right, guys, this show has to come to a close. Unfortunately, we have one final tidbit to go ahead and offer you here. For those of you that were extremely excited about the concept of ESPP and using your employee stock purchase program to get ahead on this whole thing, we did a follow-up talking a little bit about taxation but I want you to know that while we introduced the concept, Ken from the option to sell.com has really mastered it and turned it into a replicable process that you can crush. Even if you don't have $25,000 that you want to put into this program, he has ways of actually doing it with smaller increments and basically doubling his return and compensating for the tax using call options. 
Frankly, this is like master's level stuff. This is somebody that's figured out something that I haven't figured out, and I would not be able to coach you through this the way that he has. So we're just going to link to this in the show notes. But if you are considering using your ESPP, I highly recommend that you take a few minutes and go through the show notes and go to Ken's site and check out this latest article, which will walk you through how to use call options and how to take advantage and win even with short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains being built into this whole scenario. At the end of every show, we'd like to share just some feedback from our community that's come through in the form of iTunes reviews. Uh, We do a drawing every week for a copy of J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. And to enter that drawing, all you need to do is just take literally one minute and you can just go to choosefi.com slash iTunes, follow the link, leave us just a short written review. And, and frankly, you can do it on Stitcher too. We, we, we appreciate you either way. We've really made the focus iTunes because that is the way that we can get this podcast in front of more people. But if you're willing to leave us just a short written review, just send us a message uh, and you can do that at feedback at choosefi.com. Let us know that you've done it and we'll enter you in a drawing uh, every week to win a copy of JL Collins' book. So uh, this week, Brad, we have two winners. Did you want to go ahead and announce the first one? All right. The first winner is Emily. And Emily said, this podcast has been amazing. I binged the older ones in in a week or two and have loved having a new episode at the beginning and end of the week. The guests brought on the show give insightful information to challenge and change your typical ways of thinking and living. Chooseify has a little info for everyone to be able to apply it to their lives exactly where they are right now financially. If you're looking for motivation to get out of living paycheck to paycheck or working a job you just don't like, then the idea of financial independence and this podcast will lead you to a life you can enjoy. Plus, who wouldn't want to travel for almost free? Travel rewards info made easy. All right here. Click the play button. I dare you. (laughs) That's awesome. That's cool. This last review was from Eric, and he said, top five podcasts bar none. The Choose FI guys are awesome, so relatable and easy to understand. Brad and Jonathan are a fantastic duo that put out top-notch podcasts one after another. Whenever another pops into my feed, it's the next one that gets played. Do yourself a favor, subscribe and listen. Personally, I would recommend starting from the beginning as I did, since there are so many life-changing topics. I'm not kidding. See for yourself. Eric, thank you so much for that feedback. You are the lifeblood of this show. And without you guys, there is no Choose FI. So thank you for being a part of this and the fire is spreading, my friends. And we'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.